0: Are you ready to change the way you think about work? Join leaders from the world's biggest organizations, international best-selling authors, trailblazers, and innovators at today's fastest growing companies. These are the top minds in business, marketing, design, and real estate, here to explore how great work gets done. I'm George Lucas Pfeiffer, and you're listening to Work Inspired. heard today's guest speak at a business conference and I had to reach out to him because I thought he'd be so awesome to be on this show. Uh, Such a unique personality with amazing ideas and a fresh perspective on success, innovation, and entertainment. He's the owner of the Savannah Bananas, author of Find Your Yellow Tux. He's a keynote speaker and the host of Business Done Differently podcast. I am thrilled to welcome Jesse Cole to the Work Inspired podcast. All right, Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're thrilled to have you on here. I was hoping that you could start just by telling people who are the Savannah Bananas, because I don't think everybody that listens to our show would recognize that name just just uh, by hearing it.
1: Savannah Bananas, I guess, are one of the lowest level baseball teams in the world, but we are more known for our circus and our breakdancing first base coach senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. our dancing players, our pep band, and the fact that we've been able to sell out every single game since we started and have a wait list for tickets in the thousands. So uh, it's a circus and a baseball game breaks out at our games.
0: Wonderful. All right. So tell me, how did you get to being the ringleader of a baseball circus team? Tell me your (laughs) professional story.
1: Ringleader is appropriate. Uh, You know, I stumbled across it. And the reality is, I think, uh, anytime people do something new, it's because they fell in love with a problem. And when I was 23 years old, I took over a a poor performing team in Gastonia, North Carolina, only 200 fans coming to the games, only $268 in the bank account my first day. And uh, I remember making 10 phone calls that first day to people in the community, businesses, and uh, seven of the phone calls, people never heard of the team. Two said they would never work with us. And one hung up on me. And I was like, what an amazing first day. And once I finally started meeting with people, I realized that they all said the same thing. Baseball is too boring. It's too long. It's too slow. or people don't want to go see you guys. And it was then that I realized that to ask the question, what business are we in? What business are we really in? And so I started literally asking that question. I said, we're not going to be in a baseball business. We're going to be in the entertainment business. And so it was then that we started testing things, grandma beauty pageants, salute to underwear nights, flatulence, fun nights, world's largest pillow fights. uh, And we started attracting fans. And when we went to Savannah, we really took it up to another level after some initial failure. But uh, we learned that we have to be about entertainment. And I would challenge that every company, no matter what you're in, you're in the entertainment business. You know, I think we need to entertain our people, our employees, our teammates, our customers, people need to be paid attention to. They need to be entertained. And that's what we've been trying to do to uh, the best of best ability we can.
0: So we're going to talk a little bit about this unique approach that you have. uh, Some of these creative ideas, these wild and wacky ideas and this idea of entertaining uh, no matter what industry you might be in. You before we get started, though, I just want to set the stage. And just talk about where does your inspiration come from? Where do you draw on for this kind of different approach or this, uh, this, this um, innovative approach to business?
1: Yeah, my two greatest mentors uh, have been dead for many years. So uh, the first one died in the 1800s, P.T. Barnum. And I've read every book about P.T. Barnum there is. And I'm so inspired uh, by how he was able to create create an unbelievable experience, create a tension uh, market like no one else has ever had and really uh, produce something that uh, was remarkable. Um, and then Walt Disney. And mm-hmm. uh, man, if there was everyone else, you know, who would you like to meet? If you could go back, I go, I would like to play catch with Walt Disney on Main Street in front of in, in Disney World. That's what I would love to do. Uh, but yeah, Walt obviously his big vision uh, the, the imagination, the dreaming that he put forth and everything. So I read every book about PT Barnum and Walt Disney when I was 23 years old and every new book that comes out, I I grab it immediately and read it. Um, because the inspiration from those two, just to think big, to dream big, um, and to have a vision that is not like everyone else, um, that inspires me with what we're doing in our industry.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I can, when you start to talk about some of the things that you guys try, I can definitely see, that inspiration coming to life. Uh, and so I, I want to talk a little bit about th- you, the Savannah Bananas. You listed off a few of the things that you're doing and, and, and what you're b- best known for and not necessarily being that team itself. Um, but talk about the story. You basically pulled a 180 with this program going from, what was it, five fans to now selling out each game. Uh, how did you do that?
1: Well, it was October 5th, 2015. And uh, my wife and I were getting married five days later. And we got the keys uh, to the stadium in Savannah. And there was professional baseball there for 90 years. And George, we're not professional baseball. I mean, we're we're a shade above high school. We're college summer baseball, all right? And uh, we came in and the former team had cut the phone lines. They cut the internet lines. They took everything out of the ballpark. So myself, my wife, our 24-year-old president and three 22-year-olds straight out of college. They graduated in May. <laughs> and we grabbed a picnic table, brought it into an abandoned storage building, and started calling everyone on our cell phones in the community. And let's put it this way. The community wasn't that excited for us. We sold only 2 tickets in the first 3 months. And I wasn't in the yellow tuxedo. We were too afraid to stand out. We were marketing like everyone else. We were just trying to be like the former baseball team. We weren't trying to, because they, we were, they were all skeptical of us. So we were nervous. And so it got so bad that in January of 2016, uh, we got a phone call on Friday. Never forget it. 4.45 PM. we had overdrafted our account. We were out of money. There was no money left. And my wife turned to me, Emily and said, we have to sell our house. And at that point, we sold our house, we emptied our savings account, we were sleeping on an air bed, and we said we have to create attention. We have to get people to believe the way we believe. And so that was you know just a few years ago, and we went from zero debt to 1.8 million dollars in debt, um, which isn't great when you first get married. The fact that she married me and the fact that we're still married is amazing. Um, and we have a you know now we have a two and a half year old. But uh, yeah, that's that's where it started. And I was so fortunate, just like P.T. Barnum, just like Walt Disney. Uh, We had this unbelievable belief in what we could do. We just had to get the hearts of the community. And uh, to get the hearts, you first got to get the eyes and the ears. And we had to create attention first.
0: There's so much stuff to talk about here. One of the things is you guys strike me as, I mean, you strike me as someone, I don't know your wife that well, but someone that is willing to work hard and put in the effort. You know, like, so we talk a lot about on this show with some really influential leaders at well-known brands. About the importance of hard work and commitment and passion, and when you took over that team and you spent how three months, or you said you know making phone calls and trying to do just trying to get it to go to work, right? And it wasn't working. Is that when you is that when you knew that you needed to try it a different way? Was it is this a case that the effort alone wasn't enough? It was that you had to change up your approach. And, and, and approach baseball or this team in a completely different way to be unique and to be memorable and to stand out?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, so many companies are unremarkable. You know, mm. we're trying to be unforgettable. And for 10 years, we did small bets with our team in Gastonia and tried all those unique promotions. And we knew that it could work on a smaller degree. Gastonia was our MVP, our minimum viable product. Smaller crowds tested, knew it could work. Savannah was going to the big leagues for us, a bigger city, bigger impact. Um, But when we first came in, it kind of was falling on deaf ears. No one had seen it. You know, when, you're, when you sometimes you say you got to see it to believe it. Well, for us, you know, we need to get people to believe it to be able to see it. And so it was very, very tough to get that to happen. So we just kept preaching and preaching and preaching. And for us, the simplicity, it was our people first. The name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First Entertain always. Every decision we make is it Fans First. And we kept preaching that over and over and over again. We knew that by creating a model of nonstop entertainment, by making every single ticket all-inclusive. Again, no other team had done this, but when you start at the friction points and you look at customers and say, no one wants to pay five bucks for a burger, six bucks for a drink, five bucks for this, and over and over and over again, we said, what if we made every ticket all-inclusive? And we kept asking those what-if questions. And we knew if we could just get the attention, then they'd be like, wow, this is something special. And so it took time and the belief, and you mentioned hard work, yeah. You know, I went months without paying myself. I think anytime you go months without paying yourself uh, and and you realize, do you love it enough to work without getting paid? And I literally had to do that. And so did my wife. And it was like, we'll push through. And that's what made even this past year with COVID much easier. Our whole team team knew we would sacrifice everything to make sure we were covered. And that's why we made sure everyone got paid, they got their bonuses, they got everything. Because when you believe in something and you prove that you can do it, you'll do it over and over and over again.
0: And then there's the tenacity piece of it too. You know, you are that much in debt. You're selling your house. You're living on an air mattress. Thank goodness you've got a wife that believes in yeah. what you're doing so much that she's she's right by your side. Is there any advice that you can offer to people that might be starting either a new business or a new uh, initiative at at a company that that it's in that initial period where they're like, "I this doesn't seem like it's working." but I know it, I know it can. How do you stick with that? How do you, how do you, how do you keep the faith? Really? It's
1: going to suck. I mean, (laughs) I, you know, the reality is I tell everyone get through the suck. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. it's not the best language, but it will, it's very rarely that someone will just go to the, the the store, play the lottery and win. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, you have to go over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to, a lot of times to get something to work because you have to realize that a lot of people quit and give up. So for us, you know, everything, the all-inclusive that we did, I'll never forget the first night. Our fans went through 10,000 pieces of meat in one hour. Were we ready to serve that? You better believe not even close. It was a disaster. Fans waited six innings to get food. It, we had to get through the worst experience to be able to get to the better experience. Mm. And I think someone that's listening is like, you know what, this new initiative, um, you know, I hope it goes well. If you overthink it and overthink it and overthink it, you know, and finally do it, you waited too long. If you're not embarrassed by the product you first put out, you waited too long. And so I think the key is, are you willing to do something? Learn from it from your customers and then say, you know what, I'm willing to push through now because I still believe in it. Do you believe in it after you ship it and put it out there? That's the question. And for us, we knew we did because we knew baseball was still too long, too slow, too boring. People get nickel and dimed, we knew there was a better way. And if fans leave a baseball game early, every single game, there's something wrong with the game. And so whatever company yours, if you're seeing customers go a different direction or aren't running to your product or running to your experience, there's a better way. Are you willing to get through the time, the effort, the struggles to prove that? That's what we learned we had to do.
0: So one of the questions I've got is this idea of don't quit, keep yeah. persevering and see it through and believe in, in, in the in the idea. But then on the other side, it's it's recognize the failures and learn from the failures. So how do you separate out the big idea, the end goal, the thing that you're not going to quit and you're going to see through to success with the failures that you need to recognize that those things aren't working and you need to pivot or change or learn or adapt those things so that they do lead to a general bigger success.
1: Halfway through this past season, um, I saw a review on our Facebook. It was the first real bad negative review in a long time, since maybe that first all you can eat. And I said, the all you can eat is a great deal only if the food's edible. And it showed a picture that I thought was a a burger. It was a chicken sandwich that was so charcoal. It was just (laughs) overcooked. It was black. And I printed it out and I went to our new food and med director and I said, what is this? And he goes, Jesse, you know, I, I, I know what happened. We cooked earlier and then we recooked it. And I go, we served it. And he goes, yes, he, he goes, we will never, ever, ever serve that way again. And the next day we set up a whole new system of cooking everything directly fresh within minutes that you're getting served. This past week, we had another game. We had a fans giving game, crazy game. We played a game in November and we decided to starve our fans for the first 66 minutes in the stadium in honor of the 66 day journey of the pilgrims made no sense. But we said in 66 minutes, we're going to have a joyous feast. And so we had food everywhere in the stadium, but we didn't have enough food prepared. And it was another disaster mm. on Monday morning. We, we gave a big ceremony and we said, John didn't stand up. Um, We want to present you with a new award. It's the burnt chicken award. And we showed the picture of the burnt chicken. We said, Hey, this proves that the way we did in the the way, the way we did in the past doesn't cut it anymore. And we're going to find a new way. You should be honored to to hold this because we will never, ever have that issue again with fans. So we're celebrating. We gave him a round of applause and he received the first burnt chicken award. And I think (laughs) what we've learned is that you need to celebrate some of those failures, acknowledge them. Don't be afraid to acknowledge them and say, you know what? We're going to hold ourselves accountable because this is, what our fans said this about us, burn chicken. They said this about us. We're not going to let them say it about us again. And if they do, we're going to get better the next time. It's
0: hmm. great advice. When I last heard you speak, it was about an hour presentation and I was floored by the sheer number of ideas and creative thinking and things you've tried that you threw out there in just one hour. And I was like, My, you have, I mean... That's why I said earlier, you could see the inspiration of Disney and and, and circus coming through. And I, I we've talked a little bit about failure now. Tell me a little bit about a few of the ideas that have worked really well.
1: <laughs> it, it's so funny because, you know, I get asked the question about failures, ideas that don't work. And I deserve right. For us, we're always up to the next at bat. So mm. I don't even like I don't have a list of all the ideas that work. We're always up to the next at bat. This is I'm showing you on camera. Obviously, this is my. 2020 idea notebook. And every single section of our business, from food and drink to promotions to merchandise, we're constantly writing down different ideas that we should use. But yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about ideas that that have worked well, I mean, (laughs) mean, uh, playing a game in kilts. Was something that we decided to do, St. Patrick's Day, and it got national publicity. It took off. It really went big. And the team is now undefeated playing in kilts. Every year we do it on St. Patrick's Day, we play in Celts. The breakdancing first base coach was an idea we had for many years. Finally, we we had an audition. And the guy never saw a baseball game in his life. And actually, he ran out to to coach first in the wrong inning. Not the first time there was the other team was at bat. No idea. But when he first started dancing and doing the moonwalk and doing the Beyonce single ladies dance and doing the Carlton dance, fans were nuts and that break dancing first base coach fans come and fly in just to see him do his routine. So, you know, I think any area that we challenge or question the way things have been done ends up being a big win. And so I think the newest idea, which you'll hopefully hear about and more people will in the next two to three years has been ball where we've challenged the way games are played. And we invented a new game, a two-hour mm-hmm. game with new rules. And, and uh, our fans' response for that has been gangbusters. So it's all a part of testing in the beginning and you know, really, t- really evaluate the ideas, not as they happen, but two, three years later. I think that's when you really get to test whether an idea was a real win.
0: Hmm, very nice. You know, usually... A lot of times, uh, killer of creativity or innovation could be budget and finances, right? So, uh, especially in looking, you know, you talked about the um, the all inclusive idea and selling a pro- selling a ticket that then you get everything in the ballpark. Have you had to compromise on ideas? Like I think a lot of us have because of a limited budget. And if so, how do you how do you determine when it, How much to compromise, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask.
1: Yeah, I I think I always ear towards the side of quantity leads to quality. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather pump out 35 new ideas in a season um, and hope that 10 of them become hits. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to budgetary, I think we maybe haven't played as big as we could. You know, we haven't spent big money at the stadium. Most of our ideas we think outthink don't outspend. And so what food and Bev, what merch ideas, what promotions can we do on the field that don't cost that much? You know, can we develop a character? Like we had a professional luchador as our coach this past year, a professional wrestler. He actually would do the hot go with the players. And then we hired another grandma coach who's in her sixties and delivers cookies to the umpires. And, you know, before COVID gives the players hugs, you know, that's minimal cost. We're developing our own IP behind it. So I would say, um, What's held us back maybe has our ability to think about the big six-figure expense. You know, like, for instance, I want to build a treehouse at our stadium, an epic Airbnb treehouse. I want to have a zip line that goes across the field and lands at the, the treehouse and goes across the field literally during the game. You know, maybe someone has a glove and it's going across. I don't know. I mean, those are big six-figure expenses. I want to develop a Savannah Bananas Brewery. I want to have a speakeasy hidden in the 1926 ballpark. You know, all, all these I've even teased in our vision. We have talked about it. Um, The question is, really, when we will do this, because that is a big, big expense. Um, And we haven't been able to do a small bet behind it. At most things, we do small bets behind. There's no small bet, will an Airbnb treehouse work? Will a brewery work? Will the zip line work? We have to be willing to throw that big bet and say six figures, and maybe it won't pay for itself in year one, year two, year three. But I want to challenge us to do that. So it's a good
0: question. It's very interesting because I was going to ask you about success ceilings when you're at the level of baseball that you proclaim barely above college, I think you said, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but if you see yourself as an entertainment company first and a baseball team second, then it seems like you've created a much higher potential for what you can do as a company than you would if you saw it the other way around. Right. So um, I guess we 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 talk about organiza- organizational culture a lot and i think it sounds like you have an amazing culture at your at your organization and i, I want to get into that in a moment but i as you talk about all these things that don't necessarily at least in my mind or the traditional way of thinking relate to baseball do you ever have people on the actual baseball team the athletes that say why would we want a treehouse in the you know in the middle of our stadium you know are there people that are like pure baseball athlete, you know, thinking that they're saying a lot of this is distracting from my profession or are they, are you, are you successful in getting the team, the players to kind of be part of the journey and be part of the, uh, the vision of being an entertainment venue first?
1: Yeah. I think uh, Seth Godin talks about this, but who are you not for, Mm. you know, we've actually even put out uh posts on social media, do not apply for this job Mm. and all the reasons why you should not work for us. We actually interviewed everyone on our staff and and asked them one question, who should not work for our team? And we got the same answer over and over again, people that can't deal with change, because we're constantly changing, constantly evolving. And so, you know, to answer answer your question, yeah, there is pushback. Um, We lose traditional baseball fans every year. We lose traditional baseball players every year that want to, they do not come to us. And that's okay. And what do we do to counter that? we shout even louder from the mountaintops on who we are and what we stand for. I've probably done 500 podcasts. We posted our vision. We do videos constantly. I think when you are so intentional on who you are and what you stand for, you attract the right people. And you also you know, persuade the other people not to want to be a part of it, which is a good thing. When we did that post about do not apply for this job, before we were getting 500 applicants, I think we got 25 applicants, but we got the right one. And that saved Mm -hmm. a lot of time and effort. So that's what we're trying to do. If you're a company, does everybody on the outside know who you are and what you stand for? Do people know what the CEO is thinking about? Is it shared enough? I think we hide so much and we spend so much time on the details, but not on the future and where we're going, what we stand for, who we are. And so I think the more we share that, that helps everyone. Um, Bob Iger with Disney said, I often lead by press release. They're like, what are you talking about? He goes, I will send a press release and work with the media about what we're doing, where we're going. So all the people in our company can get inspired with that vision of what we're doing. And that helps lead them and that galvanizes them. If you're a CEO or manager or leader, get your voice out there, share it. And I think that's been very, very important and intentional for us.
0: I think something else that strikes me about what you just said is that You are able to do that at all levels within your organization. The last time I heard you speak, you talked about your internship program and some of the tasks that you assigned to your interns and the level of responsibility you gave your interns, Mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed with, you know, and uh, it seems like you've got a real knack for empowering people. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. How do you do that at the Savannah Bananas?
1: I would say all of our interns have empowered me. And so I think it's a completely different way of looking that I've learned from these 22 year olds, these 20 year olds that I've seen what they've been able to do, that I am so empowered to let them lead because of what they've shown me. And I think I appreciate the credit, but you know, when I have a, a a 20 year old, you know, intern, you know, as you heard the emotional story, make a phone call and and we're thanking all our fans and couldn't get in touch with a fan that bought eight tickets and realized that the father who answered the phone said, my wife just tragically died and we have seven kids. And that you know, 20-year-old intern to literally say, I'm going to make this the best experience in the world for this father and these seven kids and you know, present him with a jersey with the wife's name on it and the years they were married and have all the players sign balls and bats and spend time with them. And after the game for the father to come up and say, that was the last gift my wife ever gave the kids and that was the best gift I ever gave. To watch an intern do that and create that experience how dare me as a leader to not give him or any of our interns the opportunity to create those experiences? When another intern comes to me and has an idea that, hey, I love our thank you calls, but what if we made them more fun? I Said, what if, what if I wrapped them? What if I made them a rap? And I said, yeah, it's great. And I said, you're going to do it. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, you should wrap it. You'll be Austin the awkward rapper. And he starts making awkward raps to our fans that day. You know, give them the opportunity to do things that they might not else be able to do. I didn't know anything about TikTok. You know, TikTok, are you kidding me? This like singing and dancing. But we had a 20-year-old that was a big part of it. I said, run our TikTok. Start doing things. We got nothing to lose. And now, because I stayed out of it, we've got more followers than every major league baseball team and coming up to 300,000 followers. So, you know, they've empowered me. The question is, are you willing to let them test, try, fail, and learn? And I believe you learn more by doing than anything else. And the question is, are you allowing people in your organization really to do or are you managing? It's a big difference. We want to let everyone do and learn. And that's really guided us.
0: So you're you're currently in a yellow tuxedo uh, sure. and it's so it's hard. to. to I, I have to ask the question about having fun at work and being passionate and loving what you do. But I don't think it's just what you're wearing. I can. It's very apparent that you do love this, you know, like you love entertaining, you love the creative, you love uh, making people's day. Um, how important is that? Thinking outside of the entertainment industry, how important is that to success and innovation across the board?
1: One of my mentors, uh, not P.T. Barnum or Walt Disney, uh, is a man named Ken Silver, and he was the owner of the Gastonia Grizzlies team that I had and, uh, at 23 years old. He empowered me to do crazy things that no other owner would have let anybody do. I mean, Ken, we're going to have a game at midnight instead of a regular Friday night game. Sure, Jesse, a game at midnight. He always asked the question, Jesse, what, what do you think? And that was the best empowering advice I've ever received. What do you think? Any leader, someone else, ask you a question. Ask, you, what do you think? I started doing that with our team. They don't even come to me anymore because they know I'm going to go back to them and say, "What do you think?" So, anyways, he um, r- runs a very successful uh, accounting firm since 1973. And I don't know about you, but the idea of doing numbers all day just freaks me out. Like, I for me, I just I don't understand it. And he absolutely loves it. So everyone asked me this question, you know, it's easy, you know, you're in a yellow tuxedo, you're putting on a show, you're dancing, you're singing, you're having fun with fans. I was like, I got to ask this question to an accountant. I go that that every day he seems like he's having the day of his life, time of his life. And I go, Ken, how do you enjoy what you do? He goes, Jesse, it's simple. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's a game. I go, what do you mean it's a game? He goes, every day it's a game for me to find out how I can save more money, make more money for my clients. And I play that game every single day. And I try to play that game better. And I look forward to my next at bat, my next client, my next game that I can play. And I walked away from that and said like, wow, what if we all made what we do a game? And if we treat it like a game and not this serious professional job, like an accountant should look at it, and most of them do, he treats it as a game. And so what's your game? What's the game that you can make today out of to make it more fun? Because I'll tell you, when people look at games, they don't think of not fun. Games are fun. My two and a half year old wants to play games all day long. Games that aren't even games. Just throw the ball and run after. That's a game to him. Everything's a game. Why do we stop playing games when we get into a profession? How do you make what you do a game? And I think today, for me, every day is a game. With our staff, every day it's a game. We're trying to play new games and create more cool things for our fans that we would like to do, that we would have fun with. And that's what wins for us.
0: I love that you use the accounting firm example, because, you know, a lot of people would say my finance, my future, my retirement, not a game should be more serious than that. And I find that sometimes when we try to use humor or have fun, it's looked at as you're not serious. You're not, uh, sophisticated. You're not, um, uh, you're, you're not, you're not like on brand. And then I think to myself, well, how many people don't enjoy smiling and don't enjoy feeling good and laughing? And like, I've not smiled more in one interview that I've had than this one. I mean, like, it's just infectious, right? So I do think on a human level that the idea that you can take, you can basically anything that you're doing, you could enjoy it if you look at it in a different light and think of it that way. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think that that's wonderful. And Um, I'll tell you,
1: George, I'll jump on that for a second too. We need more fun. Mm -hmm. No one is going to say, you know what? I need more seriousness in my life. I need more professionalism in my life. I don't know about you, but the last time someone came home and said, honey, I met the most professional person today. He was so professional. Oh, what a professional company. We need more fun. And I think I wish I could give everyone just a little dose of permission to have more fun. It'll make their life better, their employees' lives better, their customers' life better, and it is unbelievably contagious. And I, I think, you know, we can think about little pieces in their business, how to make it more fun. And I'm not sure, I can't remember if in the talk I gave, did I share our invoices? Did I share the mm-hmm. invoice? That we, can I no. share one of our invoices with you? Yes, yes. Right. So it's just an invoice. Now you tell me this. Is there anyone in the world who says ah, invoices are fun? There's nobody. <laughs> it's the same thing as seriousness professionals and we don't want it. Well, here's the invoice that we send to people. Congrats, this is your day. The day you've been waiting for Today is the day you get to pay. You may think you've had days like this, the day you bought your first house, the day you bought your first car, or maybe your first all-inclusive vacation, but nothing is quite like Bananas Payday. So pull out your money order, savings bond, Bitcoin, gold, cash, credit card, or check, and make that payment like we know you can. We believe in you. This is your moment. Now seize it. Your life will never be the same. Love, Jesse Cole.
0: That's awesome. I love it. I can, I can, and I can envision what it looks like now. And I'm guessing you get some uh, some favorable responses to people receiving that, which most companies don't usually get when they send an invoice out. Correct?
1: I, I don't think anybody ever replies to an invoice, but we get people <laughs> that laugh, and it's the same thing with our payment confirmation when people buy tickets. We send a ridiculous video out to them. You know, whatever serious company you're in, can you throw a nice, fun, fun touch in there? Will that make your life more fun? Is it more of a game that way? And so that's what we've been trying to do with every
0: touch point. I love it. One question we ask all guests is about mentorship. And Mm -hmm. if, uh, if you, I'm guessing that a lot of people look at you, look up to you, look at the way that you think and the way that you approach ideas and about the way you approach team, uh, as, as an example that you're setting. But if you were formally mentoring someone that said, Hey, how do I, how do I get to where you're at? How do I grow professionally in my career? What advice do you have for me? What's one piece of advice that you'd offer?
1: Hmm. start doing and start learning. I, I think, uh, I didn't start my real education until I got out of college and got into the workforce. And I think one of the biggest things that helped me was my ability to read constantly, to reach out, to ask questions. If you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. And I think, uh, I started asking questions, reaching out to authors, uh, sending thank you letters every single day. Um, and so, and then I started testing and doing so the question is: We often, I think, we'll sit back about an idea. We'll think about it. We'll analyze it. We'll say, "Should we do this?" We'll share it with other people. We'll talk about it, and we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll think. We'll think. We'll think. Start doing. Start get out there. Have the courage to stand out and try things and learn from them. The faster you do things, the faster you learn. And so, uh, I'd advise people to find those mentors. Learn. Learn. But then on the other hand, start doing and you balance the learning and doing. Uh, it, it's amazing what can happen.
0: You've already shared a number of different uh, uh, thoughts for biographies to read and and resources. But is there is there a, a certain book or podcast or group that you've been a part of that's been valuable to you in your in your professional success?
1: Sure, I'll go with the podcast. I, I I read about between 75 and 100 books a year. And I get asked that wow. question. I'm like, I, I've read probably over a 1000 books since I started. And there's so many, I'm, it depends on what I'm learning. If I'm trying to go right now, I'm constantly learning about innovation, reinvention, experimentation. I'm reading every book on Amazon right now. So I'm fascinated with that. But um, in regards to podcasts, a few that have been great, and I've been fortunate to be able to be on them. Uh, but Learning Leader by Ryan Hawk. Uh, he's tremendous. He Uh, the curiosity he has in his questions. And he's interviewed every amazing business owner, entrepreneur, author there is uh, wildly successful. Uh, Donald Miller, StoryBrand, brilliant man. You confuse, you lose. And it's all about your messaging. Uh, Great interviews. Um, Those two have really, really stood out for me podcasts. I would say I listen to those almost every week.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jesse... I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You are a breath of fresh air and it's just a joy to talk to you. Thanks so much for showing up in your yellow tux and uh, for inspiring our listeners today
1: thanks a lot thanks, thanks for having great if you, it's you enjoyed this great conversation great. it's take obvious a moment uh, to how rate curious, curious you are and i know if you're if you haven't already be sure to subscribe
0: to the work inspired podcast so that you don't miss any of the incredible guests we have planned for upcoming episodes we'll continue to find the best and brightest minds in business so that you can learn grow and succeed and so that we can all work inspired Work Inspired is brought to you by BOS, a leader in commercial working environments and a Hayworth best-in-class dealership. Experience our 360 approach and discover the team, tools, and techniques required to navigate the complexity of your next workspace at BOS.com. If you have ideas, feedback, or would like to be featured on our show, please email podcast at BOS.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a Workspace Digital production. If you're interested in launching a podcast at your organization, please email info at workspace.digital for a free consultation.